Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we come together to obliterate your butts, your boundaries, and your excuses so that you can step into your infinite possibilities. Now, as you know, when I have guests on, I'm always talking about, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have this person on and that person, and I keep it kind of mysterious. But the truth is, you know, as I've said in multiple episodes of the past, I love bringing people on who have a story to share and a message to share and work they're doing in the world that is making huge impact and that they've really come through their butts, their boundaries, their adversities and obstacles. And today's guest is no different. I would love to welcome into the house Miha Matlioski, who is just an amazing person. I do not know him directly. We had a short chat and his PR person reached out to me and Miha and I had a conversation, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to bring you on the show. This man, listen to this story. Okay, so in 2009, Miha had four companies go bankrupt overnight. Four, landing him in $5 million in debt, contemplating suicide to escape the pain as he looked over the balcony. He had a life-changing aha moment. He realized that failure was a normal part of life, admitting to himself that he failed and to recognize he needed to stop blaming others and the circumstances. This was the turning point for Miha when he made a choice to learn from his failures so he could do things differently in the future and be able to help others. Since then, he has climbed back to create a business and scaled it to eight figures in less than a year. In just two years' time, he went from zero to 700 million with an M in two years. That's unbelievable. His life mission is to help people develop a healthy relationship with failure, especially entrepreneurs. Let me welcome to the house, as a business coach and an amazing human being, Miha. How are you today? And welcome. Hello, Susan. It's a huge, huge, huge pleasure and an honor to be a guest on your show. And I'm very grateful for receiving your invitation and being able to be here today and yeah, share the story. And hopefully I can share some of uh, good value bombs along the way as well for your audience. Oh my gosh, I'm sure you're going to because what you've been through to have four companies go bankrupt you know, overnight, and be in $5 million of debt, be looking out over that balcony, that is what attracted me to you. Because I thought, you know, I've been in a place where I felt suicidal. Now, I'm not even comparing my history and your history. Please don't compare anything. We all have dark thoughts and dark moments and dark nights of the soul. But to have four companies go bankrupt overnight, be $5 million in debt, and literally your life is crumbling and falling apart and looking out over that balcony. And in that moment, you have this aha kind of awareness. That is what I really want to get into. And I want to find out kind of 
you know, your whole backstory and that what led up to that and kind of really how you moved through it. So tell me how you got there. Okay. And you know, when I say overnight, it literally was overnight. It literally all happened in like 24 hours. So mm. because it was all tied together, but we'll get to there. So I have to start in the, in the beginning. So I was the only child, which wasn't very common at that time in the communist Yugoslavia. That's, you know, where I was born uh, before Slovenia became an independent country in 1991. So in Yugoslavia, most families had two, three children. I was the only child. Plus, we lived together with my mom's parents or my grandparents. So there were like four people obsessed with little Miha. Mm-hmm. And I had the most perfect childhood you can imagine. But that was a huge, huge, huge adversity then later on. I mean, this is something I always need to emphasize because it plays such a major role later on. In, in that perfect childhood, I never had to do anything, wake up to an alarm clock. I was never held accountable, whatever I did, you know, even in school, good grade, bad grade, I was, you know, my precious, you know, to my mom and everybody. Um, So I could do nothing wrong. And, you know, they kind of instilled that belief in me that I might be, you know, that next reincarnation of Jesus Christ or something. (laughs) Wow, Um, yeah. The the perfect being. Yeah. Um, And then, yes, when I was 17, I dropped out of high school just because I, you know, nothing special, but I was just a rebel without a cause. Nobody was holding me accountable. And I just didn't agree with the whole schooling system where I have to learn about history and stuff. Like, what will that, you know, do for me in in, in the real life? Like, I even knew what the real life is. So my father had a very small family business. And so with 18, I started working for my father. But again, he loved me so much. It wasn't really like work, you know. I was very good in networking with people. uh, So kind of in the sales process, and I really enjoyed it. But everything else, you know, I was just more or less partying 24-7, plus a little bit of, of that sales process. So I never had to learn anything. It wasn't something that I felt I have to learn. You know, my father is running it. And then um, a few years later, when I was 23, my father was suddenly diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he died three weeks later. Oh, my gosh. So almost overnight, well, you know, it was what it was. Um, We we all have to die at one point. Right. Uh, The thing was just that I had no time to prepare for the real life out there and everybody including me assumed that you know i was in the business for a few years i know how to run this thing oh no and i and i didn't you know i had but i was cocky enough to not even realize oh you know what maybe i can you know get a help get a coach or a you know an advisor or hire a ceo or learn something about running a business i was like you know i can do this that was that cockiness you know from that perfect childhood you know like i don't need anything i'm enough and so very very quickly the company started going you know towards bankruptcy with this this speed of a bullet train and I was lucky 
I, I met some people who saw something in, in Miha and they decided to invest in the company to pick her up a little bit and take over the management and also take over the majority share. And they were like, Miha, here's the credit card, here is a phone, mobile phone, and here are car keys. You go do your thing. You know, the less you are in the office, the more you're selling. Because our clients were like this big government-owned electric distribution utilities. And so you go to them. They don't come to you, you know. Um, and so let me, let me interrupt yeah. for a second. So it basically was you were being coddled again right? Your father passes away. You're tasked with running the company. You don't really know what you're doing. It starts taking a nosedive. And lo and behold, somebody comes in to save the day and they kind of coddle you again by going, here, Miha, take the card, the keys and go do your thing and be out of the business here. Let us run it. And so did it reinforce that cockiness for you in that moment? Or did Um, you, do you think you started to have like an awareness of something at that point. No, 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 no. Not yet. I mean, I I, I wasn't cocky, but I was not aware. Ah, Um, And and so I I went out there, I started doing, and I had amazing results. Like every month we would, you know, increase revenue by 100, 150%. And so very quickly, life was good again, you know, a lot of money. Uh, I was living the... Kardashian life, you know, like the lavish life lifestyle, Michelin three-star restaurants, uh, crazy cars. You know, I was 20-something, you know, so, and I was flying high, flying high. And so before, I was always, you know, the, the dreamer, the creator, the creative type. I was always very open to seeing what problems are out there in the world and how can we, you know, solve those problems. So I started getting, you know, new ideas about new businesses, new opportunities. Uh But because these guys took over the majority share, I said, well, why would I bring that into this company? I'll just create new companies. I mean, look at, we are flying, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm the best, you know, sales, marketing, what else do you need? Right. And, and so I started creating those new four companies where I was 100% owner. And the thing was, you know, this is something I see now looking back. That was in 2005, 6, 7, 8. So the, the, the financial crisis came to Europe in 2009. It started in the US in 2008, but it came to Europe in 2009, uh, second half of 2009. So those four years, it wasn't me. It was the whole macroeconomic positive situation all over Europe. And I was just riding that good wave, almost like what we are experiencing right now. You know, Um, shares are rising, real estate is rising, people are spending money and so on. So right now, it's not that easy to go bankrupt. It's, it's, It's quite easier to, you know, move forward and and make more sales and so on. Now we have also that very positive macroeconomic situation. But back then I thought, oh my God, like, look at me. I'm, you know, like I'm amazing. And so all my companies went to seven, multiple seven, multiple eight figures in revenue. One thing that was missing, and this was a big key, was no foundations. 
Mm. Um, you know, like solid foundations throughout mm -hmm. the whole company. The company can't just be Miha going out there, networking a little bit and, and doing a few sales here and there. And because we were dealing with, you know, big things, you know, like transformers and, and, and cables and so on. So, you know, a deal can easily be one or two or three or five million. I just, I wanted to clarify, you were in the utility business, in the electric business, right? Yeah. Yeah, at that yeah, point uh, in the technology and utility business. I just want to clarify yes. that. For, okay. Yes, that, yes. That's what he's saying. Everybody is like, you know, one deal could be a million or five million or many multiples because of the nature of the business that he was in. Yes. And All the right. So, so you're, you're kind of out there, these businesses that you're starting, you think you have the golden Midas touch that no matter what you do, it's going to go from zero to skyrocket. Yes. And how long does that continue to kind of flow for that way? Well, it, it continued basically until Monday, December 7, 2009. And the thing was, one of those businesses was in real estate. There was an opportunity in 2007 to take over a project and be an investor in a huge real estate deal. I created a new company. And, and that, that one was all actually the start of everything that happened because to get the loan, I had to put all my other businesses on the line to co-sign. I had to co-sign a whole lot of different things. And so that's how it all became connected. Oh. And, then, and then the, you know, the crisis the prices of the real estate dropped. That was the first thing that happened. Uh, the bank made some calculations. I was in the middle of the project and the project alone was like something around 60, 70 million dollars. And uh, we were in the middle. The bank said, we want out. And, oh, no. and because they, they had all the co-signing to back that, they were able to go to all the banks from my other businesses, pulled the money. The bank got most of the money back. What happened was that all my businesses and me personally, we were completely empty. And I wasn't able to pay paychecks. I wasn't able to pay taxes, suppliers, anything. So instead of owing one big bank, which would be much easier to handle, sure. um, I, I owed what felt half of the country. Wow. And, you know, um, the day that happened, it didn't hit me yet. It wasn't like, oh, what just happened? I, I was like in that survival mode, you know, like, oh, I can, and I, I can solve this. I just need to go to one utility or this or that, you know, make a few big deals and, and, and you know, we'll be good. We'll be okay. We'll struggle through that. We'll power through this. Yeah. Uh, but the thing was that that whole crisis had a much bigger impact on, on the whole economy and I wasn't able to get this deal, that deal. And, and, you know, it took me a few weeks to really realize, oh, I have no more options. Wow. This is, this is a real thing. So, and in those few weeks, phone calls turned from, hey, Miha, you know, we just wanted to check uh, when we can expect some payment to... You know, um, we're going to sue you to then later on, we will do this and this to you. So it was almost like, you know, you got a call from a mafia boss. I mean, oh my gosh, how again, scary. Yeah. I mean, again, looking back. Yeah. 
like that's just what people say sure. but at that time you know i was around 30 um i was completely lost in in that process i got divorced uh, all my so-called friends from you know President Cigar Club and Rotary Club and so on were the first ones to never answer my calls again. Wow. I felt completely abandoned, alone. And then these guys start telling you what they will do to you. And, and you know, you, you just start going crazy. Like you yeah. wake up to phone calls. Immediately, you're already in depression, anxiety. Uh, and then, you know, days go by, weeks go by. It, this darkness starts filling you completely. You, you don't see any light anymore. There's nothing to fight for. Then you start thinking, you know what? Maybe I used a good portion of my life and, and this is the new reality. This is it. You know, those things start coming into your head. And then I was driving in my car and, you know, you see the truck coming from the other direction. Right. And you start thinking, you know, like how easy it would be to just, you know, turn the wheel yeah. and bam, everything is over. But that was scary, you know, like what if I don't do it right, you know? Um, and, and, and so days went by, weeks went by. My head was like a nuclear reactor waiting to, you know, blow up. I, I remember a friend of mine called me. Uh, to invite me to his birthday in two or three weeks' time. And I opened my mouth, but I wasn't able to say yes. I wanted to, but I wasn't able because my mind was saying, like, who knows if you will be even alive tomorrow? How can you plan something for the next two, three weeks? Right. That, that was my reality. I, when I was at home, which I was most of the time, it was unbearable to be by yourself. When I did went out every now and then, maybe for a coffee or something like that, I wasn't able to participate in any conversation or you know, be surrounded by people. I wanted to just be alone. But then when I was alone, I wasn't able to be alone. So this was this roller coaster of you know, just craziness. And, and you start going more and more and more crazy. And I just craved a bit of silence. That, that was all. And that was suicide for me, you know. Um, yeah. you, you, you jump, it might hurt for a second, but then complete silence. No uh, nuclear reaction anymore. And that, that was so inviting. And so one evening, I was sitting on the balcony. Uh, my apartment was on the fifth floor. Um, and I was smoking a cigarette. And I just climbed on the other side of, of the fence. And, and so I was holding myself with my left hand. That, that's, that's what I still remember with my left hand. I was like inclined about 45 degrees over the edge. Um, and, and I was like ready to let go, but I was looking down and I was, am I going to do this right or not? Or will I just end up on a wheelchair? That was my main question, because yeah. if I end up on a wheelchair, I'm not going to solve anything. The, the silence will not be there. Yeah. Um, and then it, 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 it just burst out of me. I, I used a lot of very juicy words so i'm not going to repeat that here on your podcast oh you but, can you can swear. yeah but i i would i would i mean it, it was really juicy juicy conversation okay. with myself okay. but it was along the line of you know you you failed you you made mistakes and here kicks in that story from the perfect childhood 
this was the first time ever that I took any ownership of something bad happening because I made that thing. Because prior to this moment, it was for me, it was ununderstandable that I can do something wrong because they pumped me so much with that yeah. positive, you know, like you can't do anything wrong that I, I never took any ownership. And, and with the recession, it, it was so easy to find blame, you know, like mm-hmm. the recession, the, 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 the government, the, they're not doing anything, the banks, this, that, like it was so easy to find somebody else to blame. And that was the first time when I, I, I remember having the flashes, like pictures in, in my head, you know, like me signing that deal for that real estate project. Nobody mm-hmm. told me to do it. I decided that. Right. I didn't, you know, do this or I chose to do it that way. I chose this person, that company. And it was you, 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 you. And, and, and then it hit me. That, that was the aha moment. If I was able to create, because before the the crash, my net worth was estimated at around 15 million US. Okay. If I was able to create all that wealth with all of those mistakes that I did, I can do it again and I can do it better if I change. Yeah. And and that, 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 that was enough of a light to climb back and to start fighting again. All right, so let's pause there for a second. So prior to that, had you even had any real adversity moments? Not not where you had this obvious recognition because it took you climbing over the balcony and looking down and wondering if you were going to do it right to kind of have this aha moment and this recognition and awareness. But up to that point, had you even had any kind of experiences in any of your businesses where there was kind of an ad, an opportunity with an adversity for you to maybe have that realization up to that point? Or was it always no. just still this, no problem? No, no, no. I, I, was, I was so overly confident mm-hmm. and I was very good when it comes to how to manipulate with words and okay. how to wear masks uh, you know, and, and so on. And, and so I was always able to wiggle my way out of whatever situation was, you know. Um, I, I didn't know how to wake up in the morning. Yeah, sure, no problem. I would find an excuse, you know, sure. if I missed something or I would just tell a lie or something like that. It was only later when I started then bouncing back and yeah. it, that wasn't like a smooth ride, you know? It wasn't like, oh, now I had the aha moment and now everything is just... Oh, no, sailing. no, no. I, I mean, mean, that was daily fight with, with old habits, old Miha, new Miha, and, and so on. Figuring out who I really am and so on. And, and it was at that time, as I was, you know, exploring a lot who I am, what I stand for and so on, when I realized that wearing all those masks and doing all that things... Uh, emptied me on the inside yeah. all those material stuff that was all on the outside right my life was super empty on the inside I, I had no real relationships those relationships were all based on you know me having unlimited credit cards and just like you know let's go you know yeah. let's go here let's go there I had a lot of friends but none of that was real real friendships and, and well, so on 
And there's nothing more real than facing your own mortality in this moment of decision where you're thinking of jumping and ending your life and you're looking down and you're facing this this potential death or the question of, will I do this right and end up in a wheelchair or you know whatever and not have that silence? That's the shit that is as real as can be. Like there, there's no masks there because this is the moment of the gut level reality of vulnerability, of authenticity, of do I decide to let go or do I decide for whatever reason in this aha moment? And I want to be clear to to all of you out there that, you know, I'm glad you clarified this, Miha, that just because he had this aha moment, and, and we'll get into that now too, I want to hear, you know, kind of the fluidity and the non-fluidity of that journey for you in in this recognition and what led you to doing what you're doing today. But I want you all to realize that just because you have an aha moment of something that is really powerful, like in Miha's case where it's a live or die and he chose to live, and you know my story and I did the same thing and chose to live, that it's not necessarily smooth sailing. And sometimes it's even bumpier than it was before, but it's a different level of struggle and bumpiness because now you feel like you've taken off some of those masks and you have some of those tools and now you're actively seeking how to gain more tools and how to have more awareness and how to shed more layers. Would you agree, Miha? Um, I would even say that it first went even to worse before it started bouncing back because now I, I was suddenly you know, naked, rediscovering yeah. who I really am. And, and then, you know, like I, I, I find the book about, you know, the circle of life or uh, I don't know how exactly they call that in Buddhism, but I found, you know, that, that thing where you, you have that circle and it's divided into eight pieces and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, health, finances, friendship, love, uh, home and so on. And, you know, okay, it says start writing, you know, like, what do you want? And then you start writing and and you start challenging everything. And then you figure out, oh my God, like I was so influenced by all these outside factors. And then you figure out, oh, I don't even know who I am. Like, what do I even stand for? What do I do? What do I choose? And and so, yeah, often I I was like, even maybe sometimes feeling even in a worse scenario because... I, I didn't even know where to go and, and how to turn and and then all these inner demons coming back constantly and, mm-hmm. and that fight between the old Miha, the what will be the new Miha and so on. So it, it was far from an easy ride. And you know, I was in Slovenia. Um, the only way for me to learn because that was in 2010. I, I don't believe Facebook was even alive then, or it was just in the beginning. So, you know, there weren't Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, right. uh, coaches, mentors, and, and everything that we have today. Right. Um, my only way of education, and Slovenia is a small country, 2 million people. Almost no books are translated into Slovenian. So my only way was to buy things on the Amazon.com, wait for weeks for them to arrive to Europe because, it, it, you know, you guys are used to, you know, same day, next day delivery. Right. If, you, if I order something on Amazon.com, 
it takes three to five, six weeks to arrive. Um, Wait, so is I that would, even still today or you're yes, talking yes. even yeah, but, still today? Yeah, wow. but now we have uh, Amazon Germany, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy. So I can order locally. It's not as full as the Amazon US, okay. I mean, you don't have so many options. And, you know, even on Amazon.com, now I just buy a Kindle edition. Yeah, okay. But back then, there was no Kindle, no nothing, you know? Right, so I can imagine you're in this space where you're, you know, the, the ride, you know, we were not, it's not the ride, but where the journey has become a little bit worse. But, you know, you have this awareness now, and, and, and so you're taking these steps. And so you reach out, and you see this potential resource for yourself that might help, and you have to sit there and wait three, four, or five weeks. My gosh, that, that had to play a number on your whole thought process and how you saw the world as well also. Yeah, I mean, that was just my reality. I mean, yeah. back then, I didn't knew any other way. Sure. I mean... I did find things like maybe breathing exercises and, you know, meditation okay. that were taught locally, uh -huh. you know, and I was just, I, I was almost like, you know, that when you are last stage cancer, uh, um, in, in the last stage and, and when all the official medicine says we give up, there's nothing yeah. we can do. And, yeah. and so... I turned to everything outside, you know, like Buddhism, meditate, like everything that I considered too far out there in my previous life, you know, sure. everything was material, everything was very grounded, money, material stuff, cars, this, that, like, you know, for me, all of that was like complete voodoo crap. Wow. And, and, and now I was, you know, almost like the medicine says, you know, there's nothing we can do. And then you start, you know, going taking herbs and, and, and whatever you can find to try and see, oh, maybe that, at least I can give it a try. So I was just exploring everything I could get my hands on and, and just see what will work, how it will work. I had no guidance through that, through that journey. Yeah. That's why I, I guess it took me three and a half years. I mean, you know, sometimes now when I work with people in, in, in similar situations, we get that fixed in, you know, three to six months right. because they don't have to go through that manual journey, learning through books. You know, at yeah. that time, there was no Tony Robbins in Europe. Like if to go for Tony Robbins, you had to fly to the U.S. In Europe, you wouldn't even know most of the time who Tony Robbins is back then, you know? Yeah, wow. Um, yeah. So, so that, that was a different time. It was just 10 years ago, but it was a much less connected time. Now, I believe we live in the age of infobesity where there's too much of everything out there. But just 10 years ago, it wasn't so. Yeah. Okay, so you're going along on your journey, you know, through trial and tribulation, through awareness, through self-reflection, through all of these avenues that you're utilizing to kind of release the old habits and the old thoughts and, as you say, the old miha. What was one of the biggest realizations other than, because you kind of already touched on it as far as like the outside materialistic stuff versus the inner stuff and kind of that deeper piece for yourself. What was one of the biggest realizations that you feel kept propelling you forward in that three and a half year journey? 
Oh, well, one thing that kept propelling me forward was the burden of my past debts because they, they didn't go away. That, that was my why. That was my pain that was propelling me every single day because um, I, I wanted to take care of that. But it, it was a whole lot of little things. It, it wasn't like okay. one big things, a big thing. But the thing was, I was trying so many different things and slowly things would come together, you know, like a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of emotional intelligence, some hard skills, soft skills, beliefs, mindset, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And slowly a new framework was, you know, being formed. And, and I, I would say the biggest realization was how important foundations really are. And, and you know, the whole business foundation starts with you, the entrepreneur, you're that first pillar. Mm-hmm. And, and that realization that things don't come from the outside and go towards the inside, but the vice versa. Everything yeah. starts inside of you and then it goes out and then it's inside your company and then it goes out. So you right. always go from inside towards the outside. So those would be a few of the bigger aha moments, uh, but it was a whole lot of different things and, and a huge abundance because I had a lot of time and, you know, a lot of free time to, to read, you know, 10 books at once, you know, a little sure. bit of this, a little bit of that. And then slowly things were starting to form and, and, and got, you know, like to the point where I started seeing, oh, this is the direction for this. This is the direction for that. Well, and I think it's important what you just said, and it's important for you all to realize too, that most of the things I think that happen for most of us in these very kind of adverse ways and these very kind of big changing and turning points in our lives is that a lot of those little things, but we discount them a lot because we're looking for just that big one Aha, we think wow. that, and, and I think that a lot of people think that, Miha, is if I do this one thing, if I get break through this one piece, my whole life will be different and will change if I lose the weight, if I make the money, if I get this job, if I get this business off the ground. And it's all the little pieces that add up to that. I was curious if there was a predominant theme for you, but it goes back to when you were on the balcony and you were recognizing that you could no longer blame everybody else and that it was time for you to take kind of personal responsibility for these choices that you made. Do you think that's the point where your work with failing and, and recognition of failure, do you remember having, I, I mean, I know there's all kinds of emotional things going on in that period, but do you recall knowing what you know now that there was any kind of even a subtle seed of awareness about failure and failing at that point no no the whole thing the whole thing with failure dawned on me later in 2013 14 something like that like three four years oh wow okay it it took me a long time and and what you mentioned a bit earlier you know i i had this huge burden and and i was trying in the beginning i was trying to make big revolutions and try to change everything at once. Yeah. And, and, and I constantly failed because I, it was just too much. Sure. And, 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 but then, you know, time passed anyway, you know, because in the beginning it felt like, oh, if, you know, if I change one thing every month and there's like 
30 things to change. Yeah. It will take me three years to do some, some actual work. And, and so, no, I don't want that. I want it all. I want it now, you know? Like, uh, uh-huh. uh, I was still trying, I, you know, I half understood everything. So I, I was still pushing to get that done as soon as possible. And it was, again, through those failures trying to make the revolution and then failing at that revolution a few days later. And then that cycle kept repeating. And, and, and it was only then when I realized I need to take it one step at a time. And, but then the magic happened as I started doing them one step at a time. Suddenly, other areas that I wasn't really working on, kind of that momentum took over. Sure. And, and things started falling. But, but that was at the end of 2013. So, so that was like three and a half years of, of me battling through these things. When I remember it was in November 2013, I had a girlfriend for, for a while and, 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 and we broke up. And, and that was like, why is this happening to me all the time? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, they were all different. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. Wow. And then, you know, I, I, I started thinking, like, wh- why, why, wh- what are the patterns? And, and that's where kind of like all that knowledge that I was gathering and just half using really came together. It was with that breakup. Is that where failure became like a, yes. a recognition and an awareness and a word you started using? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was then about a few months later when I actually started to use, like, the thing was, that was November 2013. And then things suddenly started falling together in- uh, magically. Yeah. Uh, two months later, Valentine's Day 2014, it was Friday. My startup was started, that last startup. Uh-huh. And then uh, a bit later, because I, I was able to come up with investors to put in 3 million uh, euros, which would be roughly three and a half, four million US dollars, is an initial investment. And, you know, people started noticing. And, and it was then when I was invited by one business school in Slovenia. I mean, I wasn't the first choice. They tried to go to a few people who were well-known in the media if they would talk about, you know, what happened during recession and failure, and nobody wanted talking. And somebody uh, said, like, maybe you can go check me. Somebody knew me there. Yeah. Uh, and then came to me, like, the last resort. And without even thinking, because I never wanted to be public, you know, I never wanted to be on stages or anything, but I just said, yes, I don't know why, what, what got me to say yes, I don't know, because next day I was like, what did I just did? I'm going to go in Slovenia where everybody knows me and, yeah. and talk about this and, and, and so on. And then for the next two months or three months, I was just thinking how to get myself out. But, you know, I was too afraid to do that. I was yeah. too polite to, and, and the closer we got to, to that moment, the more hard it was to me to do that because I knew that nobody else wanted to go on the stage. Yeah. Well, and you know, was, they say, the old adage is, they say when things appear to be falling apart, they're really falling together. And it sounds like with that, that catalyst of the breakup and the realization of that, it was almost like the universe said, Ah, Miha, my son, I've waited for you to step in for a long time and given you lots of opportunity. And 
and you're finally doing it. So guess what? Now all these doors and all these opportunities are opening, but I still can't imagine that it was necessarily the easiest of journeys in a lot of ways, Miha, because just like you just said, you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, like why I'm saying yes to this, because this is not kind of what I wanted, but ultimately it sounds like it is what you wanted and you Um, just started following it. I mean, why I said yes, I don't know. I know that I wanted to get out, but then I was like, oh, what will they do? Like if I cancel, like everybody will know that I chickened out, you know? So Uh, it was a little mm -hmm. bit of a ego thing. The the realization that this is something that I have to do happened after the conference at at the networking part. I went on that stage. I, I shared the story not as a fail coach or anything. And, and the thing was, after I was done, uh, we had a networking event and about 40 people stepped into the line to talk with me. Wow. And to me, that was like, like what's wrong with you people? <laughs> if I was you, if I would see five people in front of me, I would say, you know, like, fuck this guy. You know, like, I mean, right. um, I'm, I'm just going to email him or whatever. Like, and, and 40 people were waiting to talk to me. And you know what they did? They started sharing their stories. Oh. Stories often never shared before. Yeah. And, 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 and in that moment, everything became not about me because the first time I went on stage, I thought it was, you know, me sharing my story. And Mm -hmm. that was the moment when I realized somebody just needs to start for people to open up. Sure. I'm, 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 I'm so much out that I'm not afraid to share it the way it was in, in, with all the depth, with all the emotions, with, you know, all the bad and the ugly and everything. Yeah, But I'm not doing that because I want to be a famous person or anything. I'm just a tool for others to open up. Yes. Absolutely. And, 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 and that was like kind of the moment where things, uh, it's, it's not about me. I'm not stepping on the stage or coming to your podcast because, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a very private person. I, I would just love to to have big garden, sit on the terrace with my four dogs, play a little bit, read a good book. But all of this, what I'm doing today is is so much bigger and so much more beyond me. And and I'm just a tool in, in, I don't know whose hands, but I'm just a tool. I love that. I love that. I love that realization. And it's so important that the more we recognize that we're here to serve, that our, you know, being this, you know, doing this, that actions we take stem from a state of beingness internally, that inner beingness, right? And that the mm-hmm. more we step into that, the more we're able to serve and create ripples of impact and waves of impact in whatever ways, whether it's the clerk at a gas station and you just smiled and you don't know what kind of day they're having and that smile brightened their day to it's someone like in your work as a fail coach who has had these massive failures and they're struggling to, to move through it or with it and you step in just in originally sharing your story. So tell me what exactly is failure in your kind of world and how did that lead you then with these 40 people in line to becoming a fail coach? 
Well, I'll, I'll go to the second one first. So, you know, like they told me stories that were either fear of failure that was stopping them for achieving something great, something they were deeply passionate about, but that fear of failure was stopping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they went, they went through a lot of failure and now they were, you know, in the middle or in the unknown, not knowing how to pick themselves up. And, and the biggest effect really had one, one lady, her father did not find an aha moment. And she never was able to understand why he committed the suicide. And she said, Miha, hearing your story, what was happening in your head and the emotions and this and that and the pressures and so on, she said, I finally have a little bit of closure, knowing that that might have been something that my father was also struggling with. And I realized that failure is such a huge taboo probably one of the biggest, if, if not the biggest, I don't know. I mean, um, but for sure, one of the biggest taboos and, and, and cancers of, of the hum- humanity. And when I was, you know, researching online, everybody's just talking so superficially about it. There is very little going deep into it. And I do, I, I have a very close friend who, used to be an alcoholic and he went to Alcoholics Anonymous and it was with him, talking with him, he said, you know, you should create Failures Anonymous. Mm. And that's really that purpose of mine. Even my fail coaching now is really just a tool. It's something that I'm good at. I am a good business coach. I really am. And I know that I can help a lot of people. And they can benefit. So it's a win for me, win for them. Sure. And basically, I don't own Fail Coach. Fail Coach is owned by a trust. And, and that trust, this year probably, by the second half, will create a nonprofit organization called Failures Anonymous. So everything that I do through Fail Coach, I don't need anything for myself. Like I said, I'm a very intimate I, I don't need much, you know, I don't need any fancy travels or anything anymore. Give me some time with my loved ones, uh, with my first lady, with my four doggies, with our future kids. I'm content. I don't need more than that. Sure. Everything that I'm doing is really to, to funnel that into that nonprofit organization because I don't want to beg, you know, governments or whoever to fund that idea. And I want to create AA-style thing, Failures Anonymous. We actually did a few test runs locally, and it was, like, mind-blowingly amazing, like the breakthroughs and the ahas when it's guided session and so on. Sure. And throughout the world, every, every village, every city should have a group or two or five uh, of 10, 12 people, you know, and, and that's the only way how I know how to break this taboo. I don't know of a better way. If somebody has a better way, I'm very open. Like whatever we can do to break the taboo, uh, right. uh, to break it as soon as possible. But this is just the way I believe uh, is, is the best way. And, well, and I'm just going towards that. You know, failure is a huge thing for I I won't say most people, but for so many, probably the majority of people, right? Because we've been indoctrinated since we were children that you do your best and give it your best and don't give up. And, you know, 
uh, work hard so you don't fail. It's, it's built into our educational system that it's given these grades. And what is the F for, here in the U.S. anyway, failure. You have failed the class. My God, for a child who's growing and learning about themselves and the world around them, to be indoctrinated into this just this languaging piece that says, oh, I failed. I'm not enough. I'm not good. I didn't do good. I, I'm stupid. I suck. I'm an idiot. I'm whatever is huge. And it plays an enormous role in laying those foundations. Like you talked about before, you need a foundation in business, you need a foundation within your life, within yourself as a beingness, as a human. You need that foundation internally. So what is your definition of failure? I'm just interested to see yes, if yes. if it's different than because um, I personally, and I want to I want to give you kudos and applaud you on a failures anonymous. I think it's a freaking brilliant idea. I have spent the last 23 years in my career specializing, you know, on one level in substance abuse and addiction. So I've been around the 12 step programs in a variety of ways for my entire career. And, you know, Bill W., who created AA initially, like, the man never realized what he created in the 12-step program. That really, that 12-step ideology is really a 12-step ideology for human living, period. It can apply to anything. And then every person can bring their own tweak and their own set of experiences to it, like Gamblers Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Shopping Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, because they're all relative, because the, the process is so beautiful for self and internal reflection. So I love what you're doing because I think it's so important. So off my soapbox. So, you know, but kudos to you. Thank you for doing that because I think it's amazing and I think it'll, it'll blow up the world in positive ways. What is your thoughts on what failure is? Sure. So when, when the fail coach was born, it wasn't like, oh, now that's another aha moment and uh -huh. this is how I understand failure. It was really like start of a journey. And what I'm realizing is that throughout this last couple of years, talking on stages, doing podcast interviews, media interviews, and so on, it, it's really like the more I talk about this whole thing, the more I talk with others, the more I work with people, the clearer the whole picture is becoming. So mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't like even my definition and how I understand and, and all of that is evolving. It's still sure. evolving. It's still sure. working process. But like the way I understand things today or now, failure is, is really just a natural thing. Like just we will all die. We all have to pay taxes. We all fail. I mean, you know, especially for entrepreneurs. We entrepreneurs, by definition, we are a bit crazy. We have these <laughs> amazingly big goals. Uh, right. We want to you know, impact the world, change the world, go to Mars, and so on. So the bigger your dreams, goals, visions, more you have to put yourself out of the comfort zone. Sure. Because none of that will happen in the comfort zone. Right. Nothing ever does. Right. So when you are out of the comfort zone, what that means is that we are doing something for the first, second time. That's when it's out of the comfort zone. Whether that's you know, making 
risotto for the first time or, you know, uh, building a business or creating a marketing campaign or this or that, whenever you're doing something for the first time, the likelihood is that you will fail. That's just the reality. Now, of course, when there are no huge emotions involved, you know, like you're just making yourself lunch, well, okay, like, you know, let's drop it in the toilet um, and, and move on, you know, uh, right. hello pizza. But right. if, if this would be an important date and you want to impress a certain lady and she's already there sitting and things start to go haywire, uh, then you would, you would probably take it emotionally and, and say, oh, I, I ter- failed terribly at this. Sure. So we say failure when huge emotions are involved. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that the cure for failure is taking emotions away and really sure. looking at it logically because even making a risotto is a step-by-step process. Yeah. You know, it's, it's never just one thing. It's steps. Now, either you're doing the wrong steps you know, you maybe you used the wrong rice, not a borio rice. You know, or you you have some uh, bottlenecks along those those that process that you haven't eliminated yet. You know, maybe you added too little liquid and it's too dry. So you're doing the right steps. You have the right ingredients, but you know, maybe something in the process you have some bottlenecks there in the process. So it's either bottlenecks or wrong steps and if you take away the emotions and you focus on the process you just move on you say okay i've tried this what can we learn from this and let's move on often i'm asked you know Mika, now that you're the fail coach do you not fail anymore no i fail way way more i mean you just heard what are my crazy big dreams to end, you know, the taboo called failure? I mean, that's right. crazy. Uh, and, and so I have to be, like every freaking day, I have to be completely outside of my comfort zone. So if I don't fail for a few days, I'm like, am I slacking off? You know, something's I wrong. That. I mean, I'm, I'm worried if I don't fail. What, what is, is that I have a system in place so that's the foundations, processes, KPIs, benchmarking, and so on yeah. for recognizing failure way sooner sure. so I can immediately see when things are not working the way they should be so I can re- we can react much faster and fail fast, fail forward. Yeah. Um, I've and, always and, loved that. And, and that really helps you develop a healthy relationship with failure because now you look at it and welcome it and not from this place of self-judgment and self-critical kind of self-destructiveness, but from a place of learning opportunity, growth, step-by-step processing that really does and can move you forward. Yes, absolutely. So it's really just having the foundations and then this healthy relationship with failure is a non-emotional relationship because those emotions cloud your vision. When your vision is clouded, you start saying things like, oh my God, like why is God not wanting me to be successful? God has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Or, you know, like, um, I don't know, what harm did I do to the world? No, you just didn't do the right steps. The steps that you were doing were not aligned with the goal you want to accomplish. Either you were doing wrong steps or you didn't recognize that there were some bottlenecks in that process. Yeah. That's why you failed. Nothing else. Nothing and, else. And, and, and so when 
You take away the emotions. You actually embrace failure because, again, if, if you want to create something truly great, like, you know, if, if you just want to go to a six-figure business, let's be with entrepreneurs, six-figure business, like that's really not a hard thing to do. I mean, yes, when you're still starting, but then later on you see that, you know, you, you can do it pretty quickly, organically. In, in one year, you, you should be from zero to six figures in the second year, at least, like, like a no-brainer. If you just sure. do a little bit of the steps right. Yeah. Now, now, if you want to go to eight, nine, ten, or if you want to create a movement, a huge movement, or you know, if you want to be a, a professional athlete and the best in what you do, like anytime you want to create something crazily big, compared to where you are so or maybe you know like i'm a little bit chubby and so on and maybe tomorrow i say oh you want you know what next year i want to do a triathlon i mean you know right now <laughs> i walk my dogs like that's like that's what i do right you know uh, so that would be again a crazy crazy thing for me at, at where i am right now in, in in my fitness and so on so again i would have to be outside of the comfort zone every right. freaking day if yeah. I want to accomplish that. Well, you know, I, I just love this conversation because this is such a huge topic and we could go on for days and hours and hours for sure. You know, and again, I have to apologize. I don't know why this is my show. And I forget every time at the very beginning when my guest and I are first kind of talking for a few minutes before we start recording the, the show, I always forget to kind of remind them that there's one question I'm going to ask them. Okay, so okay. Miha, you've been informed now that there's one question I should have given you the heads up on before. And see, I obviously failed at that, but <laughs> I welcome it because there's usually two questions I ask of every guest. What was your quote unquote kick your butt kind of moment, that aha moment, that kind of moment? Was there a place or a moment where you recognized, wow, these excuses, these limitations, these, these self-imposed thoughts, these beliefs that I have have held me back and now I'm breaking through this butt, this barrier? We've already talked about that and you've already mentioned a couple of them. If you had to give a piece of kick your butts kind of advice, though, for the listeners, what would you offer up to them? Extreme ownership. That, that, that's the first step that you have to do. Can you Extreme, unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to own the good and the bad and the ugly. You, you have to take ownership of that. It, it, it just, like, no healing can be done unless you're ready to stop right. blaming everything and everybody else. You have to take extreme ownership. Like, that's, that's, like... Oh, I get it. So let's, let's take an example, though, really quick. Let's say I take ownership of things, but you and I are friends and, or let's say you're a family member and, you know, we've gotten along great, fine, whatever, over the years as we see each other at family functions, whatever. And then all of a sudden you start being really shitty to me all the time. You're really rude and you're really kind of nasty to me. And, you know, and, I do take ownership, but here I'm just not seeing how and why Miha is all of a sudden being this way with me when in the previous blah, blah, blah. Just relate it to that 
because I know that there are people in my audience who struggle with taking that extreme ownership because they're like, but, but that wasn't me. I didn't do anything. And I hear that a lot from people, right? They, that's their excuse. I didn't yeah. do anything. And so I just want, from your perspective, because you, you know, live this and dove into this, I mean, that's how you survived, my God. How do you relate it to that? How would they take ownership of that? I mean, you can't change me. You know, I can change me. You can't. So what you can do is you can first take away the emotions. Again, they will cloud your vision and really reflect, you know, and try to figure out from your perspective, from what you are doing and how you are putting yourself into this relationship, you know, are you, you know, giving me um, some sort of incentive to be like that, you know, and, and so on. Next thing, if, if you can't come up with anything like that, you can sit me down and say, hey, Mika, you know what? We have to have a chat. Like this, this is not, you know, the way things should be. I mean, yeah. the third option would be to just cut me out. I mean, family or not, like, you know, I, right. I, I'm not going to, allow anybody to take my energy and, and my power away from me. Right, I mean, set that boundary. Yeah, so, so, sometimes it, it can be pretty extreme, but w w uh, Charles Bukowski, you probably have heard of him. The, and he has a poem uh, all the way, and, and he says, sometimes loneliness is a bliss. Yeah. Like a really powerful poem. Um, it, it was something that kept me going you know, yeah. when, when I wanted to give up all the way. Um, yeah. And, and there, there is this really lovely version on YouTube with, I don't know who, uh, but with this deep voice telling the poem and, and a little bit eerie music in behind. Like every time it's still, I get the chills when sure. I hear yeah. it, but, but, yeah. but it, but it's so spot on. Yeah. If you are going to start, go all the way, because otherwise what's even the point of starting? Something like that. Yeah. Well, and what I really heard was like kind of, you know, these three kind of, not steps per se, but kind of this transition, right? Is you take ownership. And if you should find that in taking the ownership, there's still this, this issue with someone or a situation or whatever it might be, have a conversation. In other words, use your voice, speak up, speak out. Stand up for who you are and what you know as you're taking ownership, and then you transition into then set the boundary. And if that means cutting them out of your life, if that means changing a job, blah, blah, whatever you need to do. And finally, if you do all of that and you're still having trouble, reach out to Miha. Okay? <laughs> reach out to Miha where you can find him at www.fail.coach. There's no .com there. So I'll repeat it. It's www.fail.coach. That is his direct website where you can learn more about Miha. You can learn more about what he does. He has generously offered free training sessions, kind of free. Well, what would you, you describe it, Miha? Well, I, I call them pick my brain sessions, but they're like literally, we, we brainstorm together, we, we chat, we get to know each other, we solve problems. So all sorts of things. It, it's quite intimate. It, it, it's just usually a few people, two, three, four people that jump in. I open the Zoom client. It's not 
pre-recorded, not nothing, so that it's really a safe space for everybody to ask whatever they want, brainstorm about whatever they want. And yeah, I call them pick my brain sessions. And it's every week, twice, three times. I try to change time zones a little bit because my audience is quite worldwide to accommodate all the different time zones. And everybody's always invited to jump on one. And they can do that for as many times they want. Oh, I love that. Wow. Thank that is so generous and that is so giving of you, Miha. And and you know, thank you so much for being here today to help enlighten and really kind of start dismantling the taboo on failure and really sharing your story and who you are and and who you were and who you've become and who you've chosen to be and stepped into that place where you could continue to help others step out of that fear of their failure and not have it be a part of who they think they are. I'm honored that you came and I just so appreciate your story and your willingness to be here. Thank you, Susan. And and, I mean, thank you for having me here. Thank you for just this wonderful conversation and, and, and the way you were guiding it. And, and it really felt like just, you know, us to having a coffee conversation and not like an interview per se. Exactly. And that's the whole idea because I think that because we're human and we struggle so much sometimes with some of these awarenesses as these spiritual beings and then in our humanness, like we can have this awareness of love and, you know, wow, this is, this is for my best and highest good and, you know, all these pieces. But then we come back to our humanness and we're like, but I fucked up and I failed and I, oh my God, I'm not enough. And oh my God, what am I going to do? And we get so caught up in that, that we then go back to a place where we forget for the getting how to tap back in to the all of who we are, which is human and spiritual, failing and success, whatever labels we want to give it in those meanings, that having these kinds of conversations, to me, bring it back down to the reality that, look, here's this guy in Slovenia who had four companies go bankrupt over freaking night, and he was leaning off the edge of his balcony ready to plunge to his death when he had an aha moment that if he can do it, Every single one of you, including me, we can get up every day and recognize that the boundaries and the buts and the limitations, the excuses, all the past conditioning truly mean nothing. And that we have the power to step into all of who we are. And if you want to reach out to me, huh? Again, it'll all be in the show notes, but go to www.fail.coach. Or if you want to take advantage of his free coaching sessions, which I highly recommend you do, especially if failure is an issue for you, then go to www.framework, the number four, freedom.me, M-E. That's www.framework, the number four, freedom.me. Again, thank you so much, Mia, for being here. And thank you all for showing up each and every week to hear how we can kick your butts to infinity and beyond, how you can step into your infinite possibilities and truly become who you were meant to be, whatever that means for you. I look forward to seeing you next week where we will dive into another topic of some sort where we will obliterate those things that hold us back. 
I will see you next week, y'all. I love y'all. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butt story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.